And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by our Clippers writer, Law Murray. Eshua Kidd is our producer on this one. And Law, you're back from Hawaii and Seattle. You cover the Clippers, but you haven't really been in L.A. at all so far this preseason. Yeah, man, it's been good to be all over the, the, the Pacific Ocean, basically. So um, it's nice to be back in L.A. So what happened in Hawaii? This is a team that was, I think they were admitting they were disappointing last year. They were kind of like a half-baked, idealized version of what they were going to be. It's been, how many years has it been now of Kawhi and PG? I can't even remember. So This, this is year this five. Is year five, this, wow. Yeah, I, well, I count the year that count. Kawhi didn't play, but... You should yeah. count it. Uh, these guys, you know, they got older all the same, right? Yeah. So uh, dynasties don't really last more than five years unless you're the Warriors or the Spurs. And this dynasty has never even won. So they're not even dynasty. So, yeah, they're kind of running out of time. I imagine this is probably the last year that they're going to do this before they blow something up. Who knows? Maybe Paul George hits a big extension. They keep it going. But something's probably going to change after this year if it doesn't work out. And they're not exactly positioned to be like a juggernaut but they obviously have the pieces in place that they could sneak up on the rest of the conference so i guess just what was your general impression of where this franchise is at at media day training camp coming back from hawaii and all the good vibes are gone were they still good in seattle i think that the team was defiant on media day but defiant in a way where they like you mentioned they they acknowledged that it's been a long run for these guys. And if year one was, look at who we got, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, like we're going to take over the league or whatever. You see all that in, in the bubble. It's and like, then, look at who we still got at this point. They're like, oh, we still got this guy. We still got that guy. Nick Batum is still there. I thought he was like in his 80s now. Hi. The way Nico be talking, sometimes <laughs> that's how he be feeling. But this, this year's team is different than last year's team because I think they – openly admit and acknowledge that they took things for granted this time last year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was talking to us in Hawaii and uh, I can't tell you how many people it's like they hear Kawhi Leonard speak and they're like, Oh my God, is this like the most he's ever spoken to you guys? I'm like, nah, but I can understand why y'all feel like that. People aren't used to uh, paying attention to, to Kawhi and Kawhi honestly isn't used to communicating with the intent of people uh, hanging on every word that he says, but uh, this is a critical year for all those guys. Even someone like Kawhi, who's won two championships before, and Kawhi was pretty open about how they skipped steps, about how they came into camp and everyone might have been relieved. You know, it's a relief of if you can win 42 games with no Kawhi and 31 games of Paul George, what can you do when you add those guys? and add Norman Powell for a full season and bring John Wall back to a point guard position that could could use the depth. Like you weren't even going to start, John. Reggie Jackson was still there after carrying the offense the year before. 
And we learned a lot about basketball, Jared. I think the Clippers learned a lot about how things can go if you're relying on certain factors. Everything that they were relieved about, everything that they might have thought, oh, this is going to be easier, right? Because you have certain guys coming back. It was hard. It was hard in ways that had everything. It needed attention from so many directions, not just stars playing harder or playing more, but a roster that needed to be balanced better, a head coach who needed to maintain his level of communication with certain players uh, and, you know, put lineups out there that is going to maximize where these guys are at this stage of their careers. And I think everyone is coming in with the good intentions of being better than the year before in the ways that they can be better. That's the front office putting a more balanced roster together. That's the stars. Yes, they're in contract situations, but they're also in a situation to lead. They have a guy in Russell Westbrook who, on one hand, is helping those stars lead, but on the other hand, totally not intending to come in here and be 20 shot per game Russell Westbrook. I think that's a big difference between the previous teams Russell played on. No. I mean, prepare for a miracle. That dude took one shot in 15 minutes in a preseason game. You ain't never seen that before, Jared. So uh, the vibes with everything, there's there's an elephant in the room, but the vibes are good coming out of uh, a week in Hawaii and a couple random nights up in Seattle. <laughs> so, I mean, what makes this team interesting is like the roster stale, right? And a lot of the time when that happens, the coach gets the blame when really if you gave the coach a fresh core, it probably would go great. And Ty Lue is someone who's been recognized as one of, right? I think really internally with other coaches, people around the league, has always been looked at as one of the best coaches in the league, at least for like his X and O's, his adjustments, his schematics, stuff like that. You know, player management obviously is a tough part, but I think he's he seems pretty good with that. Um, just the way he talks shit to you during press conferences, I figure like he's pretty good with confrontation and managing stuff. So what what do you you know i know that they like they picked up his option so he's not a lame duck but does it feel like is that kind of like a you know is that in the air the idea that like ty it's not like he's on the hot seat but there's a bit of a lame duck feeling there's a bit of like a judgment on the season of what his future is going to be hey shout out to john schumann i'm not sure if you saw the nba general manager poll uh that comes out every year i feel like every year ty's been with the clippers he gets more rave reviews with that poll and looking at so many of the general managers say, you know what, after Spo T lose like the best coach or the best at adjustments or the best at motivating guys, or at least top five. Uh, it, it just, it just shows me that. And I think T Lou knows this. If things don't work out with the Clippers, there are teams across the league that can't wait to open them. It'll be fine. <laughs> like Monty got Monty Williams got smacked in the in the, in the, what was the second round of the playoffs at home two years in a row. And Detroit was like, we know that you could take this year off, but we're giving you the entire bag to come to Detroit for these. Gave a whole closet of Birkins, basically. That was insane. Ty Lue, that, that, that'll be waiting for him somewhere. I mean, Monty was not going to coach this year. He was not going to coach. And Detroit was like, whatever you need, take your time. But this money is here. And, you know, now Monty is about to coach Kay Cunningham. Ty Lu is in the same situation as far as, look, this year, you know, as T is going to be professional. He's going to get the most out of what is presented to him. And he's been dealt a hard hand. He has never finished a postseason with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard playing in the last 
game of the season. It's been three years, Jerry. So the entire league is looking at this team compete with him as the head coach. And it's like, look, if these dudes fall out, they're not going to hold T. Lou accountable for it unless T. Lou has the worst year possible. And I think the summer that T. Lou had was very important for this team to come into training camp and be ready to put its best foot forward. Like the, the T. Lou that ended last season was not one of the top coaches in the NBA in terms of the intangibles. Like he was frustrated from basically the first week of November through the rest of the year. It was really tough on him uh, for reasons that we can fully understand and reasons that are like, nah, this can't, you can't do this no more. And I think T. Lou has been accountable about his emotional reservoir needing to be refilled. And I think team USA did that for him, uh, even though that uh, outlet did not, had the best possible time in the Philippines. They fell short of a medal, but I think the experience, the competitive uh, atmosphere that he put himself into for those couple months of the summer, it it has him in a, in a mood ready to go, but it also, it's not just, I'm not just saying this because of things that he's saying he's putting these guys to work. He is absolutely cracking the whip and he's getting guys behind that. That's buy-in on day one. So we'll see how long that lasts. Everyone knows T-Lou's got a hard job because there's way too many guys on this team that probably deserve to play that won't play. But I think the guys that are going to get the short and the stick might be different this time around. And I think that will help this team. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. First off, emotional reservoir. That is an absolute bar. Law is a legit podcast poet. That was phenomenal. I'm definitely stealing that at some point. You hear that from anybody else, you let me know, bro. (laughs) I've never heard that one before. That's good. It's really good. Um, Almost as good as Ty as a coach. The so like okay the roster mess that's the whole thing we got to get into and obviously we got to weave in James Harden we haven't even mentioned James Harden yet Elton Clippers in have the been room. holding out Clippers have been holding out the trade for him I mean everything I've heard is that they're gonna hold out this whole year waiting to get a chance to trade for him the big thing that I think probably both of us have been hearing for like a while now is that Terrence Mann isn't on the table and Terrence Mann is like the one guy. That would make sense for Philly to bring in, and he's both young and all, or not relatively young, like he's entering his prime, and also can make a pretty good impact, like is around starting caliber. And the Clippers don't want to include him, which is just ironic because, like, you're trying to trade for someone who's going to be one of your most important players. He's going to be like your third best player, and you're not willing to trade like your fifth best player for him. Very fascinating. Just can you walk me through your perspective and your depth of understanding of the situation that's been, it's probably going to drag on for the rest of our lives, I assume. 
look, everybody that the Clippers draft <laughs> since Terrence went off for, you know, that 39 or whatever against the Jazz in game six in 2021 has been compared to Terrence. Like, I remember they drafted Brandon Boston, um, you know, in the 50s, got his draft rights uh, on draft night. And it was like, hey, Brandon, did you see what Terrence did? He was the 48th pick. You know, they got a kid this year, Jordan Miller, who's the exact same number pick in the, in, in the second round out of Miami. And it's like, hey, man, just so you know, Terrence Mann is here. That is that like Terrence is like the shining jewel of whatever positive things you think about as far as the Clippers draft process. So uh, he's a valuable chip for them. He he is a representative of where this era of the franchise is as far as the role players, like all those guys who used to be here, you know, uh, Patrick Beverly, Lou, Lou Will, like Terrence learned from those guys. And, and he's now the embodiment of that, either because of how the fans look at him or more with Pat Bev, like how he plays. And so you don't want to give up a player like Terrence because, um, and this is not exactly a, a, a great thing for Terrence all the time. Uh, I've talked to him about this, but coaches go into every season with a lineup that they're like, this is the lineup that we're going to use primarily. You know, we usually refer to them as starting lineups, but there are lineups that are like your primary lineups. And then there's guys who it's like, because they can fill in wherever, you don't prioritize putting them in any lineup. It's really ironic how that happens. We always like to talk about the quote unquote positionless part of the game. And I think positionless is a scam because like guys have to be <laughs> able to play with other guys and yeah. fulfill those roles. I don't like positional versatility. Yes. But saying guys, oh, there's this basketball player, just throw them out. In the, that doesn't do a lot of guys justice or service. Like you put a lot of guys in position to fail sometimes just doing that. So with Terrence, he's positionless. We can just put him wherever we have a point guard situation. We'll just start him there. We need someone who knows how to set a screen effectively. Oh, he can do that. We'll put Terrence at the five, you know, like this year, Terrence might start at the four and people were like, what do you mean? He's six, five. No, that's the same game that you all been talking about. So you don't want to lose Terrence because if anything happens to anybody that you were intending to rely on, you can just drop Terrence in there. That's been Terrence's entire career. And the Clippers know that. That's why I was like to Terrence, yo, go out and win a starting job. And you ain't got to worry about having all these positions that you have to be accountable for. You can be with the main guys and get the best out of what you do well, which is what we saw when the Clippers were playing their best basketball in January and February before the trade deadline. And so Terrence is a valuable player. He's been in trade talks for four seasons, Jared. Okay. Dude could have went to OKC three years ago. Uh, before he broke out against the Jazz in the playoffs. He could have been traded for Kyrie Irving last year at the deadline before Dallas swooped in and had an offer that the Nets took before that those discussions even got somewhere. We know that the Clippers have been wanting to get somebody. They got Russell Westbrook after they tried to trade for guys like Mike Conley Jr., Fred Van Bleet. You know, they might have been interested in D'Angelo Russell. They were in on that. They didn't get a deal done. They swung a deal for Eric Gordon. Because they were like, we got to get somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, Terrence Mann is a valuable player for a team. Doesn't have a lot of juice. Doesn't have a lot of, you know, their versatility is overrated, to be quite frank. And I hate using that term, too. Um, we're, like, I'm not acknowledging y'all ratings. These are my ratings. So, from what I understand... When it comes to a James Harden transaction, they're the only team bidding, Jared. Like, they're the only team that is even being discussed at this level. And the Clippers didn't say, hey, we really want James. Like, 
they'd be like, oh, yeah, we can take him. We can see a role for him. Like, they wouldn't Malcolm Brogdon because it wouldn't have cost as much. So it's like if you're looking at Philly, you're like, all right, Philly, we going to let y'all handle that situation. And when y'all get enough, y'all hit us. Yeah, it's like they offered Norm Powell and Malcolm Brogdon talks and that got shot down by Boston. So it's like it feels like they're just trying to trade one of their main core guys to get someone who's a better fit. And clearly they could use someone who is a good ball handler and playmaker that also has a pull-up game. So I feel like that's kind of the thing that they're devoid of is like they don't have someone who has both a good pull-up game and can drive and kick very well. And so that's like with the versatility thing, it's like you need, it's great that they have so many people that can play in so many different ways, but who are the real creators? And that's why I think I, I would love to get James Harden if I'm on the Clippers because it's like, oh, good. We finally have another creator that we know will want to move the ball and want to put some pace into the ball, even if he, at least in Philadelphia, and most of his career has played, played at a really slow pace. I don't know how it would change if it's not as much of a middle pick-and-roll heavy offense. I mean, I'm sure him and Zubats would get plenty of that, but it's like the offense revolves around the wings. So I guess what, and that's what where is there? Lou, okay. That's where T. Lou comes in, man, because – We've seen James play with Mike D'Antoni, who Mike D'Antoni, besides the whole seven seconds or less part of his coach philosophy, the pick and roll is a big part of his philosophy. Well, what does T. Lou's offense have? Guard-involved pick and rolls. And, I mean, you have a guy like Zoo, you have Mason Plumley, who that was the other thing with the Clippers last year. They are like, we have all these wings. Why do we need a backup big? Well, we found out why you might need a backup big. Well, they have a more balanced roster this year. So, you know... The reason why the Clippers aren't going, this is not worth our time, is because James Harden actually fits everything the front office would want in a in a ball handling guard. He's someone who, even if James has the rep of being reluctant to be off the ball, he can play off the ball. He can catch and shoot and play at a high level there. And he, obviously, we all know what James can do on the ball, whether it's an ISO, which the Clippers run these guard and ball pick and rolls to get the switches they want to isolate guys in ideal matchups that's what paul and george and Kawhi leonard eat on james harden would fit that so when you look at the offense it's like you can see that and james is a bigger body that's where it's like the clippers aren't going to say no because they're going to keep themselves available to get a guy who fits what the front office wants and fits what the coaches do either way la maria will be there he is the Clippers writer for The Athletic, and he is always rocking a fly headband, and he is back from Hawaii, unfortunately, but we're glad to have him back on the show. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for us on The Ding. We'll see you next time on The Athletic NBA Show. For Eshua Kid in La Murray with Jared Weiss. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.